some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird kick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. And with me, and out of breath from running all the way back to his home from up in Washington, is Mr. Shane Hardcore Corson. Shane, how are you? Yo, Gunner, doing well. Yeah, just just made it back uh, from Ocean Shores uh, from the uh, annual Sasquatch Summit, put on by Johnny Manson, and um, I had a blast. I literally just got back though, so I'm. Uh, little scatterbrained at the moment. It's kind of a long drive, but uh, absolutely worth it. Great. What a great event and uh, some great speakers and a um, great crowd. I mean, it was just, the place was packed. Uh, I've never been to a conference that's been that packed. I mean, it was just, there wasn't enough chairs. <laughs> something to see. Well, and he's, Johnny's put on a good show for the last, but I think this is the fourth year that, he, that the Sasquatch Summit has taken place. And uh, yeah. uh, this was the first year that I was not able to make it due to work uh, commitments. I was not able to make the trip, but I'm glad that you were, and I know that uh, a lot of people were. And I, I saw, I watched a little bit of video somebody had posted about, and I could, yeah, the packed house. Um, and uh, he's, it's, it gets bigger every year. So um, good job, Johnny's a great promoter, and. Uh, oh yeah. So what what was your favorite uh, part of the summit this year? To put you on the spot. Oh uh, well, of course the Olympic project. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, no, honestly, Derek, Derek Randall's uh, spoke and, and David Ellis spoke. Uh, Tom Baker was scheduled, but he could not make it. Um, and so, uh, but uh, Derek and, and David did a fantastic job. There was a, a lot. I mean, how the place was packed. They had, you know. Um, but they did a just a fantastic job um, discussing some of the stuff we're we're working on and some of our data and some of our collections and stuff. And but uh, you know everybody, there's a, you know there's there's speakers that I don't personally agree with, uh, you know. But they, you know, I'll give them kudos. They everybody 
uh, did a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I mean, he had David Poides there, um, uh, Chris Noel. I mean, he's, he just, there was a pardon. He's well, David is is controversial in some of you know his the missing. For the, if somebody isn't familiar with David Poides, he's the author of the Missing Four Hundred and One books. So right, yeah, he never comes out. Yeah, he I mean, never quite comes out and says that it that they're you know leaves it to the reader. So, but it kind of leads you down yeah. the path that, the, that it's possible that that some of a, a lot of these disappearances could be Sasquatch related or Bigfoot related. But yeah, he doesn't come out and say that. But yeah, that's right. the kind of insinuation is a possibility. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, he's at a Bigfoot conference. Of course, that's got to be in there somewhere. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. everybody did a great job. Uh, one of the treats. For me personally, was getting to hang out with Les Stroud again, and you know, Les just—he's an awesome guy. He's great. Uh, he's fun, and he's very energetic, and got to hang out with him and chat a bit, and that was fun. Uh, <clears throat> Cliff and uh, you know, Cliff Berkman was there, of course, and uh, they, uh, yeah, he, he did a really great presentation on 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 hands, Sasquatch hands. Uh, Meldrum was you know there, always great. Um, so I mean, the whole event was just stellar, and, and probably my most favorite thing about these events. Uh, is interacting and talking to other researchers and people, uh, those interested. I mean, I heard some incredible encounters this weekend, incredible. And talked on pretty amazing stuff, at least I consider it amazing. So that's the thing about these symposiums, these summits, conferences, they're well worth it. You know, it's um, a lot of people think it's, you know, these researchers tooting their own horn, you know, and, uh, you know, it's not about the research, it's about the research of the subject. And I highly recommend going these things and nothing else just to, to listen to what others are doing uh, and, you know, meeting other people that are interested in the subject. It was amazing to see that many people there uh, and, and that they're all enthusiastic about it. They just wanted to hear and listen, you know, and maybe learn something or, or share something. So it was fantastic. Well, speaking of fantastic, we have a fantastic guest today, Mr. Yes. Dan. Big Truth Lindholm is with us today, and uh, we're excited to talk to him. Uh, Dan has been uh, had his own uh, sighting back in 1986, which uh, he didn't tell anybody uh, for uh, quite some time, like 25-plus years. Um, so let's bring Dan on and uh, and chat with him. Welcome to Monster X, Dan. Hey, all right. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me on. Yes. So... For uh, those of the uninitiated, uh, can you give us a little bit of uh, background of, of uh, the Dan Lindholm story, the big truth story? Okay, I guess we'll. Uh, <laughs> I guess it would be a, a three prongs a three prong story, <laughs> because okay. um, you know I guess the, the encounter thing would be number one, where, where I had my well, first encounter. Let's save that one. We'll talk about that. Okay, and then there's the, um, you know, Big Truth, my Big Truth page. It's like a, a news deal and, you know, my YouTube channel, which um, then I uh, documented my own experiences and um, some other friends I, is how I started that out and then got together with Ed Brown, which is a whole other deal where we've done all these interviews with all these great people. And um, so... I don't know. It's, there's a there's a lot to the big truth umbrella 
so to speak. And you know, I got I got the blog <laughs> up. We got um, you know, I got a, a oh, uh, and you know, an award-winning author who's been uh, a bestseller who's um doing a blog series for me on my blog and you know, we got we got a bunch of different stuff going on at once <laughs> with uh, Big Tooth. Well, Dan, tell, let, let's go back to uh, your first and and what you refer to as your best encounter in sighting in, in 1986. Can you share with the Montrex audience what what happened? Tell us, tell us that. Let's go into that. Sure, I'd be happy to. And um, if you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and tell the whole thing because you know I, I've before I've I've uh, told it, and then you know I. Uh, you know, how come you didn't say this? How come you didn't say that? Because, uh, you know, I got it recorded. You can check it out on the Big Truth YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, Northern California Sasquatch Stories, number six, Pinnacle Rock. So um, I'll just tell the, the whole thing from start to finish. Okay. So uh, my buddy Michael and I were just hanging out, and we're just kids. You know, I was like 18. Just hanging out downtown, hoping, you know, some friends would come by or something. And my buddy Les comes by in his Jeep with these two girls. And one of them went, went to my school, and the other one was from a neighboring school, and I didn't know her. So, and he says, we're going up to Pinnacle Rock. You want to go? And I was like, yeah, yeah, heck yeah, because we used to go up there all the time. It's, it's a really, really cool place, and you, you had a great view and you're up in the mountains with the trees and, you know, just, just a cool place to go. So, and he says, we're going to stay the night. You guys want to go, you know, stay the night? And we're like, yeah, yeah, sure. He's all, we, we have to because I don't have any headlights. And we're like, um, well, okay. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay. You know, so we jump in and he, had, he said he had a couple sleeping bags and such. So we're like, all right, cool. And uh, so we jump in the Jeep and we head up there. And um, it's it's not too far from from town, you know. It's probably a 20, 30-minute drive. And so we get up to the top of the mountain, and we park. And we park, and the parking was right at the base of the big rock, Pinnacle Rock. And there, the road went on for, you know, a, a couple hundred yards, maybe a quarter mile further down the road, and it just stopped like a cliff. So um, I said, let's go out to the end of the road and check out the view. And everybody else was like, no, no, let's just go up to the rock. So I'm like, I'm just going to go check out the view. So I just go by myself down this road, and I started getting that feeling, you know, that feeling of being watched. So I'm walking out on this road all by myself, and I'm, I'm really starting to think, these guys are messing with me. They're, they're probably following me out here and messing with me. You know, so I go out to the end of the road, and I'm just standing there checking out the view. And it was really cool. But, man, the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. I was like, I just know they're back there. So what I did was I just spun around really quick and looked behind me. And they're behind me about, oh, I don't know, so just 30, 40 yards back about where um, the start of the turnaround was. Um I saw something black just dive into the bushes and it was like black hair. And it was what the part I saw was, you know, it was like six feet off the ground. It was up higher. 
you know, but I still did not think Sasquatch. That was the last thing I thought. I thought a bear. So I'm going back going, uh oh, you know, and all the way back to the rock, I had this feeling of being watched and I was just really, really getting scared. And I, I was just walking really fast and kept looking over my shoulder and I get up to the rock where these guys, and they're already all perched up on top, checking out the view. And I get up there and I tell them, Hey, I think I saw a bear over there. And you know, he was watching, something was watching me and I think I saw a bear. And the first thing Les says, my friend was, was it the monkey man? And we all just started laughing and and then he starts saying, no, no, really, was it the monkey man? Because they, like, whoop, and they throw rocks. And I guess he'd spent a lot of time out in the woods. And none of us knew what the heck was going on. So uh, are you guys still there? Yes, sir. Yeah. Just listening in intently. Oh, okay. It was so quiet. I want to make sure I didn't lose my connection. <laughs> you got okay. us intrigued. You captivated us. So we're yes. listening with, uh, yeah, big time. Okay. So, all right, I get back up to the rock, and I tell him, you know, I think I saw a bear, and, and Les starts saying it, and we're, we start laughing. And he starts telling us these stories about, you know, having rocks thrown at him and, and getting whooped at and, and such. And we're all just, we were just having a good time, just laughing and thinking it was funny and thinking he was just telling us stories. And all of us are sitting on top of Pinnacle Rock. All of a sudden, Les jumps up and runs to the back of the rock and he's all, did you see it? Did you see it? And we're all like, did you, did you see what? You know, all of us were facing the lake, and he was facing us, telling us these stories. And he said that he saw something peek up over the back of the rock. And he said it was like a little one. And when he got back there, this is like a cliff. I mean, full-on cliff. The fire department used to go up there for rappel training. It's, it's full-on cliff. And he said he saw this thing scurrying around down below, going around the corner you know, down, down the cliff. We're like, what? And we still didn't believe him. We were just laughing and thinking, you know, good story, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And uh, so, you know, but we're, all, we're a little tentative and we're listening to his stories, you know. It's entertaining as all heck hearing about the monkey man. And, uh, you know, I, I got to step back for just a second it's not like I never heard of Sasquatch yeah. or nothing. I was into, like, in search of when I was 9, 10 years old. I, you know, Bigfoot was, like, really cool. I thought it was really cool. And I, I tried to get all the library books and all that, you know, the, all, all two or three of them <laughs> back then. But, um, you know, so it wasn't like I was totally unfamiliar. But my idea of Bigfoot from in search of or whatever was that it was just like a big upright walking gorilla. Okay, so... So that's right. where I was at. Mm. And so, all right, back to my story. The The sun starts going down a little bit. It was already like 5 o'clock or something when he picked us up. So it's already like 7 or something. And the sun's going down. And he's, we say, all right, we better get a fire, fire going. So we all go down to the bottom of the rock, like in between the Jeep and the big rock. And we start collecting up some firewood. And, uh, we're just getting down to starting to try to start a fire. And um, the two girls and Michael were, were both still off in the woods looking for wood. And me and Les started trying to start the fire. And we're both down there, you know, with our heads down in the fire. And all of a sudden we hear this thud. And we look up, and this big rock rolls right by our feet. 
it landed about 10 feet away. And I mean, this rock, it's like a solid piece of granite. It's like a foot by a foot and a half, like an egg-shaped big freaking rock. <laughs> you know, the kind of rock where you pick it up and you, and you can waddle and drop it again. But, you know, you, you couldn't even pick it up and throw it. It was a big rock. Hmm. And it just came out of nowhere. And we were like, what in the heck? And I was like, it had to have fallen off the rock. Unless, like, there's no way that it landed all the way over here that it fell off the rock, which was a little ways up the hill from us. And we were just like, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we're just very tentative now about what's going on. And we're standing around. We got this fire going now. And all of a sudden, Les goes, ow! So quit throwing rocks. And we just all started laughing. We thought he was back and back to telling us his stories or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then a couple minutes later, bam, he gets hit with another rock. And he turns around and says, God damn, I said quit throwing rocks. And, you know, we're like, come on, dude, quit it. <laughs> And then my friend Michael got hit with a rock. And he's all, ow, ow, god dang it. And then we all got serious. We're like, oh, wow, what the heck? And now, when you say rocks, sorry to interrupt. When you say rocks, you like pebbles or? Yeah, yeah, they were just getting little rocks, just little, okay, you know, pebbles, basically. Not not like that big rock that was thrown. <laughs> that, I, I think that was some kind of warning or something telling us to leave. But, you know, after we didn't leave, then they started throwing little rocks at us. Gotcha. But... Um, and also just on a side note, I think this whole thing had a lot to do with the fact that we were all like, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old and just, just a bunch of, you know, innocent kids out having fun or whatever. We didn't have no guns or nothing like that with us. And, you know, I, I think, I think that just has a lot to do with a lot of different times when there's interaction. Just let's just throw that out there. But um, anyway, back to the story. These guys start throwing rocks back into the bushes, both both Michael and Les. And I was talking to um, Susan, and I can't remember this other girl's name from the other school. But I was sitting there talking to these two girls around the fire, and these guys are throwing rocks into the bushes and having rocks thrown back. And all of a sudden they were like, oh, my gosh, I saw it, I saw it. And they said it looked like a boy, like a 12-year-old boy. And, you know, like all covered in hair or whatever. And they didn't see it very good, of course. It was just like, you know, firelight, maybe a little moonlight. It's dark, okay? And then, all of a sudden, Michael, he started just, he, let, he was like half running, and he was half sideways and half backwards and stumbling over his own feet, running back going, twins, twins. And Les saw it, too. And they both saw the the like it was the same one they saw the little little twelve year old or whatever, but there was one on one side of the bush and one on the other side of the bush, and they're both throwing rocks at the same time. And they both seen them, and me and the girls none of wow. we hadn't seen nothing yet except for maybe I saw it the very first something, but we still hadn't seen anything. And these guys have both seen one little one and then both of them together, two little ones together. So. <laughs> And they kept on, they were having a dang rock fight for a while. You know, they just kept throwing rocks back. And it was like, it was like they were playing with us, you know. They were toying with us and playing with us. And 
I I still don't know if we were all like in shock or what, but me myself, I still was like in denial of what was going on. I didn't even. I, it was. It's kind of weird, you know, when it's such a mind f when when this when something like this happens that um. It just it's really 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 hard to fathom first what's going on, and then afterwards what went on. What exactly happened? You know what I mean? Right. Because then the next thing was what really got me was the next thing that happened was, so these guys are behind us. Or no, I think by now they'd stopped throwing rocks and we were all sitting around the fire. But me and this girl Susan were facing uh, in one direction and we were the only ones facing that way. And Les was standing up and he kicked the fire. You know how you just like move the logs around. Or whatever. Yeah. He mm-hmm. just did that and and stirred up the fire, and it flared up. And when it flared up, standing next to this tree, me and Susan both saw this big old, like eight foot tall, four foot wide Bigfoot, standing there watching us next to this tree, only like thirty feet away. Bam! Right there. And she was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Oh god, I've seen it too." And it was like it was there, and then the flash of light went away as it, it like as soon as it saw that we saw it. He got this really surprised look on his face, like opened his mouth, and he stepped right behind that tree in that, in that second or two that we saw him. And then our, our whole thing was get that fire back up. We had no light. I mean, <laughs> at one point we had a flashlight, and it was dying. And, you know, and then I'm like, dude, I will walk in front of the Jeep with this flashlight, but that now it's dying. It's, it's going dead totally. <laughs> And I was like, well, I just wanted to get out of there. We did, but, but there was no way. And he's like, no, man, I can't drive with no headlights. We can't do that. We can't do that. I was like, man, we got to. And so we ended up staying there still. And I, I don't know if I got a half hour of sleep or an hour, you know, all night long. Because I, I was laying there awake, and I kept hearing big footsteps, like not, not up at the rock or, or where the Jeep was parked, but on either side, the, the where the forest was on either side, I kept hearing these big old footsteps. And it was, it was nerve-wracking, to say the least. And uh, the next morning, as soon as it was light, like 5 in the morning, we were all up in the Jeep and heading down the hill. And when we immediately when we got up, I was still... I, I didn't have it all my ducks in a row in my head at all about what happened. And I was still like, did you hear the big, big footsteps? It must've been some elk or something, you know, walking around last night. And Les is all, don't, it was the monkey man. Don't you remember last night? And you guys seen him and we seen him. And, you know, then it was like, bam, it all just hit me like, wow. <laughs> you know, and the one thing that, I, I heard you mention that I didn't didn't talk about it for years, like twenty twenty five years. Right. The one the one thing that kept me from talking about it was, like like I said, from in search of or whatever. I thought it was like an upright gorilla, and what I saw looked like a person with hair all over him, way more than a gorilla, and it it the face looked. Very native. I, I mean, I, I just 
that's what it looked like to me, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so, are you saying it, more mainly human because than of the they... spatial? Yes, more absolutely. human. Okay, gotcha. And the the I, what made probably what made it look more native to me was um, the facial hair configuration. It was like a real light mustache with just a little bit on the sides. And then there was a light beard down the sides of his face. But he didn't have a big heavy beard at all. And there wasn't, there wasn't hair around the eyes or, or the nose. So um, he looked very like a really big, big person with a wide mouth and a wide nose. And uh, just really, and I didn't stare at his body. I only saw him for a second, and I just immediately looked right at his face. And that's what I saw. I got a sense of how big he was, and just massive, just huge, you know, huge chest and shoulders. And um, But like I say, I didn't even look at the rest of his body. I just, for that split second, and I guess just human nature... I just looked at looked him right in the eyes, you know what I mean? Mm. And man, I'll tell you that is something I will never forget is the way that guy looked and just just seeing him. And it was like I say I I I couldn't I couldn't go out and tell the world that there was some wild man out in the forest, you know, and it was way way many years like it was only about five years or something ago when I started first telling my story when I came out because I started hearing other stories where people said they looked more human like. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, I did see a Sasquatch. It wasn't just some freak of nature guy that went up in the forest and decided to grow hair all over his body. (laughs) It was something (laughs) crazy. You know, I mean, and now, now what knowing what I know, you know, the odds of something like that, are way greater than just it was a Sasquatch. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, Dan, initially, on your initial sighting that you had when you were by yourself, what you your brain initially thought it was a bear? I mean, you just, like, because we have a tendency to put things into a category of something that we know. And that's what I did. It, it's not that it looked like a bear. It was just something mm-hmm. that was had dark hair and that's just like you said you put everything in a box and that's just how I categorized it that that's must be what it is it wasn't a mountain lion it wasn't a deer must have been a bear and how how long of a uh, sighting or how good a look did you get at at the the one you initially saw it was just a flash it was just a flash of something diving right into the bushes you know the second I turned around it was it was already ducking yeah. So, and you guys, and throughout the night, you, the all you stayed up there, and you continued to hear activity around, um, but but always out of sight. The, I mean, you guys were laying down or whatever. Right. But, uh, right. And, sp- but, and speaking of out of sight, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but speaking no, of ahead. out of sight, no. even even in this crazy encounter where we had this much stuff go on, and this many people saw stuff. We still, out of the five of us, that, the one girl never saw one, never saw a thing. Mm-hmm. She didn't see the little ones. She didn't see the one that Susan and I saw. You know what I mean? She was never right. under the rock. You know, so she was there. She experienced it all with us. You know, I'm sure she would say that it happened. 
But mm-hmm. it, that just goes to show you the level of stuff that can be going on and still have somebody in your party that didn't experience anything, basically. Well, that's how secretive they are. <laughs> and, and it's been a long, like you said, there was a long period of time where you didn't share this. Or or did you did you tell anybody your story before? You know, other than the group of people that were up there, you know, um, I think I think I told I told like a couple members of my family, and I think I told my best friend, and that's it over that entire period. And one and time it came up. At the, well, you know, they believe me because um, okay. they know that you know I don't I don't just you know throw stories out there. Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just that's, that's just totally against the whole way I am, the, the kind of person I am, you know. Um, they just know that if if I'm going to tell them, especially if I'm standing there with goosebumps all over me, <laughs> that, that they're going to believe me. Well, that's one one of the biggest. I'm now that you've been out for for a number of years, you've probably talked to other witnesses, and I, I mean, I've I've ran in personally ran into. Uh, several people that have had an uh, encounter, and in a couple different occasions, um, it's been like 30 years, and I was actually the first one they told, you know, their, shared their encounter with um, w- one gentleman. That he'd, he'd shared it initially with his family, and and uh, they, they'd given a hard time about it, so he didn't tell anybody for like another 30 years. So, I mean, it's not it's not unusual for people to to uh, not run and, you know, who, who do you, first of all, who do you tell, you know, and, and well, uh, second of all, what a lot of people are afraid of, of ridicule and, and people thinking they're crazy or. Right. Yeah. And, and nobody, nobody told me anything like that from my family or whatever, but it was totally implied. Just I just knew that I couldn't say nothing because I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be branded as some crazy person or, you know, something that it was a different day and age back then. You know, a lot less people were open to the idea and, and pretty much everybody thought it was a myth back in the eighties, you know? So it, it, it just, it didn't seem like a very productive thing to do to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's uh no, that's a great point. You know, I, I, real quick, I'll tell you a quick story. I was, up at the uh, sun this weekend, and I was going down in the elevator, and had my aluminum project shirt on, and there was this lady there, nothing to do with the summit. She was there, held at a casino. She was there gambling, and she was asking me how it was going, and it's good. She's like, yeah, you know, um, you, you know she, what do you know about Sasquatch? I said, really, I know nothing, uh, you know, uh, really don't know anything. But uh, she said, oh, you know, I said, she said, you know, my son many years ago had a sighting, or he said he saw this eight-foot thing walk across the road in front of him, and it was not too far away from most chores. He's like, he's the only person you ever told is me. I'm, you know, his mother. Uh, that's the only person you ever told. I mean, and, but that's that's more common than not. I mean, uh, to to uh, to not discuss this. I mean, people don't want to be labeled as crazy, and they don't need the grief. And uh, you know, you can't prove it. It's a it's a story, unfortunately. Uh, fortunately for you, though, Dan. I mean, you got you had multiple witnesses. Uh, multiple witnesses. I mean, that's really rare. I mean, to have that many witnesses and everybody experienced something, uh, you know, and that that's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a mind blower. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. It was absolutely incredible. 
Yeah. I mean, do you still, do you still, uh, you still, uh, are you still friends with, with these people? I mean, you still talk to them? Like, do you, do you go out with them anymore in the field or anything? No, not, I haven't talked to any of them since practically then, you know, uh, like one time, it was probably a year after that, my, my friend Les and I were both at this party and, uh, he comes up and there were some people around and he's all, dang, you remember when the Sasquatch were throwing rocks at us and blah, blah, blah. And I was just, I just like, yeah, yeah. And I just shut up and I walked away and it was like, I, it was like, I didn't, I did not want people to know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. There was, I had this wall up, like, that did not happen. That did not happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, I, I, and I guess people, you know, some people handle really stressful situations like that, but I, I certainly did. I was just, I wanted it out of my mind. I didn't want to think about it. Right. Right. Yeah, what are you um, doing? That, yeah. But so, I mean, it's a pretty, it's interesting because it's a pretty big, confirmation of of what most people think don't don't give a second thought to is of something that's you know all, all, us that grew up in watching and in search of and 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 that kind of stuff where it was you know it, it 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 was cool to watch but is it real well most people don't give it another thought you know and and all of a sudden you walk through this doorway of like Damn, that that's that's a real thing, and it's been out in the woods, you know, all this whole time. And so you you kind of join a, a a small club of people that have actually had confirmation of of a species that still isn't isn't confirmed to exist. So absolutely. So so Dan, let's fast forward a little bit. Did, so after that, did you ever go looking for Bigfoot? You know, in in the ensuing years of of uh, between the time that you had your initial encounter and the time that you came out or started talking about it? Um, no. No. I mean, uh, passively, like uh, one other time when we were up at Pinnacle Rock, me and my friends, we found this big ball of hair stuffed down in a rock. And um, my friend's dad was actually uh, one of the supervisors at the sheriff's department, a sheriff. So... Um, we took the big ball of hair and gave it to him, and um, he had, they actually had it tested to see if it was a missing person or something, and they said it came back human, but they couldn't find a match to it, and I'll tell you, that was the coarsest hair that I've ever seen, ever, <laughs> so that was, just, that was something that right out of high school that happened, you know, that was kind of interesting, and uh, another thing that happened right there at Pinnacle Rock, which... It may have nothing to do with Sasquatch, but it's still pretty interesting. This old man used to go up there in those mountains every day and hunt for squirrels and such, just whatever varmints, you know, because you could kill whatever. So mm-hmm. he was he was just that guy, the old old 90-year-old on an old Trail 90, and he'd go up there every day. And all of a sudden he disappeared. And they found his Trail 90 up there at Pinnacle Rock, and they never ever found that guy. <clears throat> so that's just an interesting thing. Guy really knew the mountains, really knew what he was doing, and just disappeared. At the same exact place, Pinnacle Rock, there's a cave down to the left side underneath. And that cave, I guess back in the day, that cave would go all the way down the mountain, all the way to the lake. And they use it like for mining purposes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right there at the top, 
you go through this little hole that's only like three foot by two foot, and you drop down into this chamber. That's not a very big chamber. And then there's like another tube that goes down, and then I've never been down in there, but I guess it, it's really big down in there. A couple friends of mine went down in there one time at that cave into that initial chamber, and there's some light poking through from the top and some holes in the rocks here and there. So they get in there, and they're just getting their eyes adjusted, and they said all of a sudden they saw these two big old eyes in the corner. And they said they were like <laughs> six inches apart, these big old huge eyes, and they both just scurried the heck out of that hole as fast as they could. But can you imagine trying to get out of the hole? No, 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 what, no, even if it was a mountain lion, whatever, whatever's in there, you don't want to be in there. And this was like just a little hole. <laughs> so that's pretty scary. And right down the street from the same exact place, Pinnacle Rock, on the, on the fire road in there, there was a little turnout where some friends of mine one time, it snowed. And this was the talk of my school for a little while. It snowed, and all these, uh, all the jocks and stuff jumped in this truck. There was like six of them, and they all ran up there. We had a snow day, so they ran up there to play in the snow. And they get up there, and they're all running around and throwing snowballs at each other. And my friend Tom Snyder told me this story. And uh, he said he was down behind this rock making some snowballs so he'd have some ammunition. And he saw something across, across the road where the truck was and up this this skid road or fire road went right down the hill right there. He said he saw something over there, and he just thought it was one of these guys he's playing with. So he keeps on, you know, and he's throwing snowballs and stuff, and he gets back over there and starts making some more, hiding again, and he looks up there, and you see it's closer now. And now he, he realizes it's not one of his friends. And this thing, it kept going, like, from tree to tree. It would stop behind a tree... And then it would go, like, down the hill a little bit and across the road and then get behind a tree. And he said it was snowing real bad at the time. So his vision was a little bit obscured. Okay, so he's watching this thing. And he said all of a sudden it hit him. that this thing is, like, 11 feet tall, he said. I was like, whoa, really? But he said, yeah, all of a sudden it just hit him how big it was over there coming down the hill towards these guys. And he yelled out. To, you know the owner of the truck and stuff hey hey look look come here and they and these guys jump up and they, they see it on the hill and they all jump in the truck the guy starts it up and starts taking off the last two guys come running up the hill and jump in the bed of the truck and all six of them could see it standing there on the hill watching them as they drove off wow sounds like an active area <laughs> yeah it's interesting because I wonder how many of us have, like, um, stories from our high school friends. Um, I, I have some friends that um, when they found out that I was in the Bigfoot shared stories from from uh, an area close to where we all went to high school. And uh, it's funny because it was a, girl, a bunch of girls that supposedly were back, you know, smoking the, the funny weed stuff and, and – saw this what they thought was a bear and then it stood up and they took off and <laughs> so i mean it's, it's, i wonder how many story you know stories of high school kids are out there that are out playing in the woods skipping school or whatever and and uh, have had encounters like that absolutely i was just talking to a friend of school from school a couple of years ago i saw him and we started talking about the bigfoot thing He's all, don't you remember when we were when we were in high school?
high school, and we were at the there's this place called the Flats where we used to have big keggers, all kinds of big parties and stuff up there. Big, you know, that you could start a big fire. And this was back in the day when that was cool. <laughs> anyway, we used to all go up there, and we were all sitting around the fire one time, and the, these rocks kept coming down. These little rocks, pebbles, kept landing by us and hitting by us. And there was one couple that was missing. And we thought for sure they were up the hill throwing rocks at us. And about 20 minutes later, they come out of a vehicle that was on the other side of us <laughs> and come over <laughs> to us. And we're like, hey, wait a minute. Weren't you guys up there? No, we've been in the car the whole time. We're like, whoa. <laughs> but he just reminded me of that story. I had completely forgotten that. You know, it's just another one of those things. And that's another why, why I mentioned earlier that I just think they're drawn to young people just having fun, you know, carefree, and, and they don't. And they, I think they feel like maybe they can observe them easier without being caught or whatever. You know, it's just the feeling I get. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, being obnoxious and you know, being kids, you know, you're loud, you're boisterous, you're you're, you're interesting. Probably the most interesting mm-hmm. out there, you know, thing out there. So, you know, uh, I would imagine, you know, if Sasquatch uh, was interested, it's probably gonna come and check you guys out. You know, and I mean, there's, I don't know how many stories like that. Uh, you know, even my my own encounter. Uh, we were pretty loud and obnoxious, you know, uh, and probably definitely the most interesting thing out in that area. Uh, so, yeah, it stands, stands to reason, you know, especially with, you know, because really, you know, teenagers and, you know, and whatnot, you're not really paying attention, you know, you're having a good time in the moment. <laughs> you're oblivious to what's around you. Right. Yeah, I think they can sense that, that, that you know, we're not we're not really paying attention. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, they're... Very well, uh, a good chance. It's fairly, yeah, they're, I mean, it's, you got to think that it's fairly safe when when people aren't. You know, they're they'll stealthy anyway. So if we're we're engaged in activity that isn't focused on the woods and and on them, why why they start throwing rocks and stuff? I mean that that's always interesting. Is if they're trying, um, maybe they want some kind of interaction. You know, I don't know. It's that's pretty much speculation, but um, that's a fairly common. Um, activity is to have rocks tossed or, you know, Shane, Shane, your encounter sounds a lot more like intimidation. You know, I'd like, get out of my, I don't like that you're here. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and Dan's, your, your encounter sounds like way more playful, but, to, but did yeah. you, so in all told, were there three individuals sighted at that time that you can, I, you would say, okay, there's two, two juveniles to quote unquote twins. And then the one that you saw was was the one. That and then the big guy. Uh, and yeah, yeah and so. I would also assume that it, if Les saw one on the back of the rock, that it would have also been one of those twins. I mean, that's just an right. assumption. Right. You know. We, yeah. That's we got most most of what we can do in bigfooting has to do with you know well what some our best guess. So absolutely. That's pretty cool. I mean, absolutely. That's, that's a great encounter. So so twenty. Twenty something years go by, and you you haven't really been public about about this encounter. What all this? I mean, what possessed you to come forward and share your story publicly? Well, you know, whether whether it ever gets accepted and get gains credence or not, the catalyst for me was the Ketchum study. Because what she said was that it was a hybrid that was half human and half something else. 
and that fit perfectly with what I saw, that it was half human and half something else. It, it To me personally, it, then I had a box to fit it in. You know what I'm saying? And that that gave me confidence because I know dang well what I saw and what it looked like. Okay, so her thing was like confirmation to me. And it was also, to me, it was confirmation on her thing that it was going to happen. It was going to be public and uh, Sasquatch is going to be known. That was the way I you felt th- back then. Yeah, you thought confirmation was kind of imminent at that point. It's like, oh, they have right. DNA, they've now identified something, and right. we're, we're so going to know that there's if, a... Yeah, so even if my friends and family think I'm a total loon, it's all going to be going away within six months or a year because this is going to happen, and it's going to be confirmed, and the whole world is going to know that Sasquatch is real, and then they'll know that I'm not an idiot. And I'm not a fool, and I didn't just make up stories. And now it's <laughs> three, three, four years later, and uh, I hope I don't look like the fool. You know, uh, the one, the one thing is just being honest, but honest about. You know, there's a lot of people that won't tell their stories, and that's that's just as dishonest as the people who hoax. You know, be honest. Let let people know of of what you've seen, and and let the world know that this is real, you know, and mm-hmm. that's what it really came down to when all the hubbub would catch him and everything, you know, I was, I had that to fall back on. I'm like, you know what? I told it the way it was, I told my honest, true stories, and I hope it helps the cause, you know, I hope it helps other people to tell their stories, and that's kind of how I got into the whole big truth thing and getting with Ed doing the interviews, getting people's stories out there, because, you know, I want to be a positive influence on this whole community and get these people's stories out there. Like we talked about, there's really nothing to gain by telling these stories. You know, it's just a story. The only thing to gain is the accumulation of all these stories gives weight to our entire deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, well said. Yeah, yeah. So, completely agree so with you, you. Bit, I mean... You you came you, you started to speak publicly about your your encounter and and what was the response? Did, I mean, all, for twenty something years, you you have kind of held back on because you didn't want to be looked at as as you know somebody not that was making stuff up. How how's the response to you been since you've been been sharing your encounter? Oh, overwhelmingly re- uh, um, good. I mean, just overwhelmingly uh-huh. good. I I have been surprised at every turn from that very first video I put out. And um, I kind of took a little bit of a chicken way out because I started telling other people's stories first of my friends that I knew and stuff. Uh, I got to number six before I told my big story. You know what I mean? I was working up to that because it's a big thing. It really was a big thing for me to do and to put myself out there like that. And, um, well, that's, it's just, that's true of everybody. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, if you're, you're well, not exactly. wanting, yeah. And, and, and if you watch the way that the media portrays the subject for the most part, it, it isn't, it isn't taken, you know, it's not portrayed seriously. So I, I mean, I understand people not like, I don't want to be associated with, you know, the, yeah. uh, Bigfoot in the freezer box or 
or this guy that's toting around a, a stuffed Bigfoot, you know, those kind of things are are, are uh, in charge of people for yeah. it. So, so I mean, I, I, I get people's resistance, right? So, but I, fortunately, there's, you know, I pe- people dog uh, dog on finding Bigfoot, but for me, it's kind of the the in search of of this generation, and you know, you might not agree with everything that's presented on the show. But but it has I think it, uh, as a positive has opened up uh, allowed people to come forward and tell their stories a lot more without uh, as much fear of ridicule because it's because hey I saw it on TV so it it adds some uh, legitimacy into the to the general public so I, I totally agree absolutely one hundred percent you know of course. If anybody that calls himself a researcher, which I hate to even call myself a researcher because I'm terrible at documentation, and, and uh, man, we'll go back to that. But <laughs> anybody that calls a researcher, you know, yeah, I mean, you're not going to agree with their technique, you know, most of the time. But uh, just bringing people into the subject, you know, the general public, and opening their eyes to it, and the people get on there and they tell their stories. And if you ever get a chance to go to one of those town halls, you have to do it. And it's not because you're going to get on TV for three seconds or whatever. It's because they leave out all the good stories. I mean, right here, we had one just right up the road from me, and I went. And there was some amazing stories that did not get on Finding Bigfoot. You know? And uh, and you would be amazed at the quality of stories right there in your own area, wherever you are, if you go to one of those meetings. And I talked to Cliff afterwards, and um, I was like, wow, some great great encounters here, huh? Just, just crazy. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty much the same everywhere we go. I'm like, what? <laughs> the quality of stories? Are like, And he's like, yeah, they're all, almost always the same. Pretty close. I was just, I was blown away. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's amazing what what they leave off of the show, you know. They they try to keep you guessing basically. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 I, I, they got I've been, be I've been doing a couple next year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, you got you got you know, you know, progressing forward here, you know, um you put your first video out there. You've been a great response and stuff. I mean, where did you go from there? I mean, uh I imagine you started making contacts. You know, people started contacting you. Um, you know who who uh, kind of popped in. I mean, who who was helping you out? Uh, you know, well, when you first I, started, you know, got going. Can I ask you? I, I want to pop in a question. Sorry, Shane. That, well, I'm Go thinking right of it. Ahead. But <laughs> Dan, who was the first person you told after twenty something years? Who was the first person you shared that encounter with? Um. Probably if you remember. my son, <laughs> you remember. my son, and my stepson, just sitting around uh-huh. when, I, when I was bouncing around this idea in my head of going ahead and posting it. You know, I, I told them, and um, you know, they were just blown away. <laughs> and um, you know, it was that was just like the the last domino was just that last confirmation that yeah, it seems like you know people respond well to this story. You know, because it was. Like I said before, all the other things that fell into place for me were just, it was pushing me to do it. And I did uh-huh. feel like I was going to be totally vindicated no matter what really soon, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> Any minute now, they're going to come in with a body. 
But yeah, yep. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I, fortunately, it was it came up. I mean, it didn't happen that it was a negative experience that you came out and started talking about it. You know, your worst fears weren't realized, which we we generally find out is the case when you know we're, we build stuff up as like, wow, that's I, I don't want to tell anybody because I'm this and this and this and this is going to happen and and. Fortunately, yeah, you know, you, you that absolutely. didn't happen. You know, yeah, you found that people were kind of receptive to it, and I do. You know, it, I think there's for generally speaking, there's more of a receptive uh, environment for people to come out and, and tell their stories now than there used to be. Say, before finding big, right. I mean, that, I think that that did open a doorway for folks. So, Shane, I'm sorry. Go ahead yeah, yeah. and get, follow up with, with Dan. You remember oh, you were saying who helped one? me out way, like way back when or whatever, <laughs> who was one of the first people to help me out, you were saying, Shane? I remember the question. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> no, I remember. He was asking uh, who, was, who was somebody that helped me out like way back in the day or one of the yeah, first contacts. Exactly. Or, um, actually, you know, when I got in this community, one of the first people that um, – actually, two people – that are both just huge in the Bigfoot community is Derek Randalls and Adam Davies. Mm-hmm. Both of them. I've been, I've been friends with both of those guys for just years on the internet and um, was able to, you know, message back and forth and ask them questions here and there, you know, not, not to bug them or anything, but just to bounce a couple things off them here and there, you know, they were really super helpful. And I think, especially if we get into this a little later on, I think it's really important that I give credit where credit is due. When I first came to Oregon, which was a little over three years ago now, I was speaking to Matthew Johnson quite a bit, and he actually helped me out quite a bit. He was a good positive influence on just where I could Okay, this interview's over. You know, not not so much techniques, (laughs) which is where, where we ended up butting heads later. With, with the yeah. but just like uh, trying to, I was trying to find them. Basically, I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out where they'd be at different times of year, you know. And and he was really helpful with that back then. Uh, but and, um, fast forward. And, yeah. No, I mean Dan, I I've been friends with Matt, and and Matt has has uh, transitioned over time from a full blown aper, and and. And moved to where where he is now, which is probably the other end of the, the spectrum of from you know this we're dealing with a flesh and blood whatever right. it is hom, hominid or hom or or ape, but yeah, to obviously where everybody's pretty much aware where Matt comes from now. So, which leads yeah. us to you know you so you came out of. Uh, I keep saying come out, but you 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 went public with your story, and and what then possessed you to um, not not just share your story, but but to interview other people and start what what led to you then starting a YouTube channel and a and a uh, website about Bigfoot. I mean that's that's going okay, to the next cool. level. Okay, yeah, so basically I started with my own stories and those of my friends and family around me. I came out with like nine videos in my first year, 
And for that whole first year, it was just me and my one one little part of Big Truth uh, on the YouTube channel. And then Ed Brown became my friend in a Facebook group. And in this group, there was an administrator that was um, really into it. He wanted to have weekly features and things to try to bring people to the group, and he was really, you know, trying to get numbers up and, you know, really working it hard. <laughs> so uh, he started this thing with Ed because Ed was an author, and Ed was a member of the group who has been really active in discussions and such. So he knew Ed could write, and he asked Ed if he would do these text interviews with people in the group and, like, feature another person in the group every week. So Ed started doing that, and um, I think they, they featured me like the third week <laughs> as one of the, of the text interview deal. And then I started talking to Ed, and I'm like, wouldn't it be better if we like did like real interviews? Because on my <laughs> friends list, I've got like a couple hundred people from the, the Bigfoot field, you know, and I talked to a lot of them all the time, like like Adam and Derek. And I was like, dude, why don't we see if we can get some? And I've been doing these videos for my band, you know. So I was a little bit familiar with uh, the movie maker, and said, you know, I can make, I can turn it into videos, and we can do these video interviews. And you know, I I texted Derek and asked him if he would do it. Bam, Derek's all totally on board. Derek's like, yeah, I'll do it. So our very first interview is Derek Randall's. Yeah, <laughs> and and then Derek hooked us up with Dr. Meldrum and Cliff Brockman. So like our first three interviews were just boom, 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 right out of the gate. We hit the ground running. We we got some of the best names right just right off the bat, and then it just went from there. We just kept on getting more people, and it's just gone on since then. Now I I mean I'm familiar with you, but I I gotta ask you who is Ed Brown? Ed Brown, you know everybody asks me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Everybody always asks me, "Who is this Ed Brown character?" Yes. And Ed, like I said, he's an author, and uh, he is my brother from another mother. Ed Brown is just a really, really great guy. I'm yes, really, really lucky that I connected up with Ed because um, I'm not. That, it's just not my personality, not my style to be. Uh, to interview people, you know, I can barely get through this without talking all over <laughs> you guys and acting like an idiot. So I don't want to be this, I don't want to be no show host. You know what I mean? And it just it just kind of fell in line. And I just really lucked out getting Ed because he's just really unnatural. He's just he's amazing at it. And we threw out the script long ago. He just wings it. He just talks like we're talking right now, and it just it mm-hmm. comes out so authentic and so real. And he's just he's a gem. He's a great guy. Love Ed. No, Ed, Ed, Ed does a great job with with uh, you know sit down with Ed Brown. I mean, it, it, he he is just natural, like you said, a natural interviewer. And and uh, I've one of the co-founders of the International Bigfoot Conference. And uh, Ed just great guy, fun fun to hang around. And uh, um, so you guys. So you hooked up with Ed. You guys are doing, doing, um, not just sit down with Ed Brown, but Sasquatch Encounters, and let's um, You you moved to Klamath Falls. You you now have your 
you worked on finding an area to research in in the area where you're living. So pri- prior to being in Klamath Falls, were you an active field researcher? I was in southwest Idaho, which is all okay. desert. And, um, not, so not and so I much. I didn't even I – was, I was definitely hardcore armchair researcher for a couple mm-hmm. years before I came here, which – you know, it may have a bad name or whatever, but it gave me a really, really good background. And, you know, people would call me a Bigfoot historian and such because of that. All the stories that I have read or heard or watched videos, whatever, I have watched thousands, literally thousands. I've seen stories, you know, so – and I, and I got a pretty good memory for that kind of thing. So, you know, in a way, I am kind of like a Bigfoot historian. So now – and you moved to Klamath Falls. What – you now you got out of the the armchair and went out and started looking in the woods. What what happened there? I have what I think is one of the premier places to go in the country, but bar none. And it it's let me explain. I'm not just trying to brag because I got a nice piece of forest. Um, this it's a huge wilderness area called the Sky Lakes Wilderness Area which if you look at a map of Oregon and Washington, it's the biggest chunk of green in the entire Cascades. This is a huge area, and especially if you consider that it abuts up to Crater Lake National Park. So if you include Crater Lake National Park and the Sky Lakes Wilderness, you've got a huge area where there's, there's no motorized traffic. They're just, they have their safe haven. And uh, I'm, I've, I started with BFRO reports and common sense. You know, you know they're going to need water somewhat. A- any, any large animal is going to need a lot of water. So the last place you want to go is someplace that's bone dry for miles and miles. You want to be at least reasonably close to a river or lake, something. Okay, mm-hmm. so I started looking at Klamath County here where I live, BFRO, and I found a report that suited me pretty good because the guy said he went to this place and then it was a three-mile walk to this other little lake, and then he was having rocks thrown at him and he got screamed at, and he basically got pushed out of there. He, he had to leave. So I, he told the area, the place, he told the lake and everything, you know, so I just started looking at Klamath County and looking, and I found the campground. I found the lake. I'm like, shoot, I'm up for a three-mile walk. Let's go check it out. <laughs> you know? So I go out there and checked out that area. You know, there's, there's water there, and there was a good report from there that sounded good. And it was someplace that I could reasonably access because, you know, some of the reports are so far off the beaten path or right in a subdivision or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's you yeah. can't you guys know, you can't just take any report and go investigate it. Right. So um yeah, I go out there and I start finding these um really cool stick structures first time out. And I found this one that looked like a a blind that, you know, people might call it like a hunting blind type thing, but I would think it would be more of a an observation blind. Because it was in a place that was set aside from the campground, which is as far as the road goes, but still in a, in a spot where 
if any person walked from the campground down that entire side of the lake, and then there's a steep mountain, so, you know, it's kind of like a corridor, anybody that walks out that way, you could see them from this spot. So I thought it was just like an observation blind, not a hunting blind. And uh, I up see, seeing all these arches, and I start taking pictures. You know, I'm just taking pictures of the arches and taking pictures of the blind and stuff. And, and later on when I got home, <laughs> I, I saw these things in the pictures. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I got three different pictures that show this same exact spot. And one picture doesn't show anything. The other picture shows what looks like a big creature to the left of the center tree and then a little creature down to the right. And then the third picture shows the little little creature much better and the big one not as good, like as though they were leaning in and out to look or something. And I say they. Okay. If we're going to talk about this, we might as well just say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to just keep on saying that it, it might have been an upright hominid or bipedal creature. Just that I'm out there looking for Sasquatch, all right? So right. that's what I think I captured in the pictures. Okay. And I held on. That's one other thing that I, along the way people have been so so good and so receptive. That was the first set of blob squatches that I got way back in 2013. And I just released, back in the spring, I released like 10 different blob squatches. That most of them do show some movement, and they are what they are. I mean, you got to put, you get like in the spirit of um, Mitch Waits' face database. All right, not, I'm not saying everything on the video is a Sasquatch. I don't know. I personally didn't see, I, I pretty much didn't see any of them with my eyes at the time. This is all stuff that was caught in photographs or video. So with that being said, I just put it out there in... Like I said, I've always shared, and I try to be honest. And I almost felt like I was not being honest by not going ahead and sharing them after all this time and collecting this, you know, possible evidence. And, and if nothing else, it's entertaining just to see that these things look like they're moving and looks like it could actually be something, you know. And um, it was so hard to put that out, I'm telling you, because I'm always so tentative you know i mean it's not just me and my research area and stuff i mean ed brown like i said he's my brother from another mother now he's involved with big truth you know if if all of a sudden everybody thinks big truth is a big sham Mm -hmm. then you know that affects just even more than me and um it just so i was so tentative about doing that and finally just you know bam hit the button you know what Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to share. When I first started that page, Big Truth, the whole idea was to share. I was trying, I was trying to drag the whole audience in from the get-go. The very first time I went out there and have them suggest things that I should try and that, and it just didn't work out. People just don't get involved on pages. You know, if I had done a group, it might have been different, but I didn't know <laughs> back then. So, you know, it didn't work out that way where everybody was involved, but I've always tried to share along the way because I think it's super important. I don't want to learn something over the next 20 years that someone has already been spending the last 20 years learning. If they would just share, then I would know and I wouldn't have to waste all my time. Collaboration. You know what I'm <laughs> it, so, I mean, I, I, it's important. 
I, I looked, you know, I've, I've looked at some of your stuff, and, and like you said, you you refer to the stuff as blob squatches because it, there's you can see that something's there and then something isn't there anymore, and but of course it's not a definitive, um, clear, you know, undeniable picture of something that you can say, yeah, that that is a um, a picture of an animal that 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 we uh, could say is is what people refer to as Bigfoot. I mean, I. There, right. it's 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 not that easy to get pictures of uh, clear pictures of something hiding back in 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 the dark brush and and uh, and you're you know and you're you're taking those pictures you're talking about you 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 weren't focused on the subject you were just taking pictures of the area around now you have some more exactly. interesting stuff on on um, because I always use the phrase that all evidence requires context. So, you know, it's one thing to take pictures of the woods because I, I think pareidolia can kick in and you, you you can go find shapes and stuff in in any picture that you take of the woods and say, that look, that's interesting. But some of the, some of your stuff is in, is a lot, the stuff I find way more compelling is the stuff that is in context with other activity. And some of the things you talk about so let's talk about some of that stuff. Like you're you're out in the woods and you're actually um, doing field research and you have other stuff happen and you find other corroborating evidence. Um, t- tell us a little bit about some of those. Um, I, I'm, I'm talking specifically about April. What was it, of 2015? What is it, like the 21st or something right. like that? <laughs> right, which is five far my best day ever out in the woods and it will probably never be repeated ever oh you don't know but i'm gonna get me a backpack for my drone though just in case it is Mm -hmm. Uh, that one chance in a million (laughs) that it is repeated i'm gonna be ready next time but anyway okay we get we get into this area we had never been there before it was i've gone farther than i've ever gone into that area i'd have already been out to that general area, you know, maybe 10 times. But I had never gone as far and as deep off trail as we did that day. And the snow had just melted enough for us to get up there. There was like, um, we were probably one of the first people up there. And it wasn't even like on a weekend or anything. It was like on a Tuesday, I think. And we get up there. There's nobody in at the campsite or, or the um, boat ramp at all when we get there so we park and we start walking and we go a couple miles before we even go off trail and then we go a couple more miles deep in there all of a sudden we hear this crack crack crash i turn around to see this thing bouncing this big huge it was the end of a tree the top of a tree and i when i told people the story before i thought it was uh, i just guesstimated around 16 feet the last time i was up there i was there and i i measured it 22 and a half feet long this this big end of a tree was hurled thrown at us i just turned around this tree and my buddy behind us behind me had just cleared that tree he was only a couple feet behind me and it landed right where he just was and i heard it hit and i turned around and i saw it bounce about three feet and my stepson i thought for sure that 
he must have pushed over a tree or something because he does that sometimes when we're out there. And he was back behind us. There was this creek that we had to cross. We had to walk across a log to get over. He was still on the far side of the creek about 50 or 60 feet back. And he saw it flying through the air. We're just like, whoa, what in the heck just happened? So when you say flying through the air, we're talking about, like, going vertically or horizontally, excuse me, through the air versus, like, obviously when you see a tree fall over, it's not – it's going no, through an it, angle it wasn't, it, declination. Yeah, it wasn't toppling from above. Right. It was flying through the air from away from him and, you know, through us, away from him, towards us. He saw it flying through the air. So that that blew us away. And so we're over there, and we start walking around, looking some more. I found this. This tree that had fallen down probably a couple months earlier, there was like a big windstorm. I'm not saying Southwest knocked it down, but I think they were really opportunistic. There was this huge bedding area. I mean, this this tree, both sides of the trunk, you can see where it was just all matted down where they'd been laying in there. And there was, you know, like broken branches all over the place that were laid down. And it was just clear bedding area. I was like, oh, wow. So we walk a little bit further, and all of a sudden we hear this thump like a big rock or a piece of tree or something was thrown. So we start looking around. This is funny. They probably laugh every time. Whenever they throw something, we start looking for the rock. I bet they just laugh (laughs) their heads off. So, of course, we're looking for this rock or whatever was thrown. And my stepson went a little ways from me. And I was still videotaping. And all of a sudden, we hear this flapping up in the tree. Oh, over uh, right above where my stepson was, and it was like, bap, 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 bap. It was super loud, and it was like a clack or a clap. Full on. It was no woodpecker, trust me. It sounded like hands clapping, honestly, and it's on the video. You can hear it on the video. So this is what I'm talking about about my drone. That ever happens again, everybody on the ground is going to put cameras to that tree, and I'm going to get that drone up in the air, and we're going to see what in the heck did that clapping sound Awesome. That, so that's awesome. what you said. It was direct. I'm going to carry it. So it's directly up What's the that? tree. I mean, like it's directly up the tree from where your stepson is standing. Did any? Did he see yeah. anything up the the tree? Or no? But check this out. When it happened, I panned back over to him, and he's saying it's up in that tree. And I just panned the camera up for a minute, and then I panned it back down. Look back the other direction again. I didn't see nothing or anything. But in that footage, and it's another thing, it's it's out of focus, it's way out there, but it really looks like in that tree that he was pointing at, that there's something way up there, and it looks like a head with a crown on it, like a crest, that looks like it's poking around and looking at him, and then ducks back down into the foliage, way up in this tree. Hmm. And I really think that's what it was. I think, I think we went into an area where there was a bunch of them, like a bunch of little ones. And this was the one that was guarding the little ones or whatever. You know, I really think that that is why we had a, a tree thrown at us and all of this activity all of a sudden, you know, all in this one spot. It was intense, to say the least. All right. And then just not much later, right after that, we start hearing these whistles. Like a monotone, like it sounded like the old-fashioned submarine sonar. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just, I'm not a very good whistler. No. But just this, as, yeah. But there was no, there was no variation to it. It was just totally monotone. Mm. These whistles. Mm-hmm. And, but, my friend just got hit in the leg with a stick. This little stick. We were all walking out of there, and he was the last one, and he got hit in the leg with a stick, and he was freaking out. He's scared. He actually pulled out his gun. I kept that off of the video, but he pulled out his gun. He's all, come on, mother. You know, he's all, he's all in there. <laughs> <laughs> <It's a> Rambo, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Okay, let's calm down. So, uh, so then we got this whistling, and we're all wondering, what in the heck is this whistling? And then um, I caught those things that are on that, that video that we were just talking about that were just right there, like 20, 30 feet away from me in this tree. And they were right where that guy Daniel was walking when he got hit with the stick. So this is it's total distraction, 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 distraction. The, the whistling was to distract us, to thinking that we're going to walk right into those guys, the, the stick throwing. You know, I think um, the big, the big uh, tree part that was thrown at first, you know, that's just trying to tell us get the heck out of here. And then the clapping, you know, that could have been calling in the troops or that could have been, you know, another way to try to scare us off or something, you know. I don't know. But it seems like everything they do is a distraction. Now, now I've gotten rocks thrown. This last time out was really quiet. I didn't get not one rock thrown, not nothing. I didn't sense them around or anything. So, you know, I, I, they may have moved on. It was just like a week ago. I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure out seasonally what they're doing. But when they're there, I just, I have this innate sense that they're there. Mm-hmm. And I can I can it sounds funny, but I can feel it. And it's not this is nothing woo. This is sounds it sounds kind of woo uh, instinctual. <laughs> instinctual. It's it's an instinct that something big is watching you. Something big that could kill you. Is watching you. <laughs> they could kill you. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean that is there. There is actually something to we we do have a sense of impending danger. We do have a sense of. I mean, if you're sitting in a room, you don't, and somebody comes in the room. Most of us have a sense that something. I don't know if it's the 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 uh, air density changes or the you know that we sense a movement or whatever, but there, there's something to what you're saying that isn't just, it's not psychic. Oh, yeah. It's, it's okay, instinctual. If you go to the mall, try this out. Just go to the food court at the mall and stare mm-hmm. at the back of somebody's head and see how many <laughs> seconds it takes them to spin around and look at you. <laughs> I do Am that I all right? the time. It, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a one, two, a three. Yeah, no, it, the, there is something to that. The people, we, we pick right. up on the... You know, for a good portion of of our species' uh, existence, we we've needed to we've been a prey, <laughs> so we developed a, right. an instinct to to survive. Or, or we've been gone a long time ago. There's a lot of things that are are better predators, in natural predators in the the wilds than we are. So. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I totally think it's just a natural thing. I think everybody has it. Some people are more sensitive than others. That's it, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, 
Can we talk about Soha for a minute? Yeah, ah, we, we were going to get there. <laughs> well, been, we, were, we were eventually going to get to that because you and I share a common commonality of having visited um, Matt, Dr. Matt Johnson's habitua- Southern Oregon habituation area. And some weird activity from our mutual friend Adam Davis and uh, John Carlton took place there. And subsequently, um, you guys have revisited that area. So, um, tell yeah, please tell us about your visit to SOA. Okay, we we went the five journeys, which is Russ Accord International Big. Oh, jeez. Not Brown, that guy is <laughs> founder of Bigfoot Community and really great, great researcher. We got Ed Brown, who we've already talked about, myself, and Adam Davis, who's it goes without saying, the guy is just the best. You've been out in the field with him. I mean, you know, you know what it's like. He is so awesome when he gets into Adam mode. I mean, just absolutely great, great field researcher, and he just. You know, the first time when we all went out together, he was just barking orders, telling us, do this, do this, do this, and we just all <laughs> fell right in line. And um, it was just amazing to watch him work. It really, really is. He's just really, really a professional. He's he's great. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we yep. went out there in support of Adam because Adam wanted to go back there for his own well-being and be able to get that terrible experience behind him. That we all heard about what happened up there. He told you guys, you know, last week what happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had a traumatic experience up there. So he wanted to go back there to either get confirmation or to get, you know, just a sense of what's going on and just try to settle it in his own mind. So we gladly went with him. Yeah, we'll go. Okay, now let it be said that Dr. Johnson said that he gave up that area. He quit. Stephen Stuford had found the area. And those guys, and he had said that he that there was no more Bigfoot there for at five in the morning the day after we were up there. For some reason, he made a video and said that there was no Bigfoot up there. I hope we had a good time camping, but he knows there's no Bigfoot up there. So you know, kind of a weird situation where, the way he left it. So it's not like we were going into his area. I would never do that. Okay, this was already given up. And somebody else has given it really, really bad reviews. Even Stuford had gone in there and tried to make like the entire thing was a total hoax. Like Dr. Johnson is totally full of it. All right? Right. Now, what have mm-hmm. you experienced up there? I, I re- I, I'm familiar. <laughs> just, like, just like most things in life, you got Dr. Johnson, stick your left hand out as far as you can. You got Steven Stuford, stick your right arm out there as far as you can. Mm-hmm. The truth is probably right there in front of your face, somewhere in the middle. It's not way out there, and it's not way out there. Okay, yeah. Adam made some super good points, and he makes this point all the time, that you can't deal in absolutes, and you can't make unsubstantiated claims because that's not what? how science is done. You can't do that. <laughs> right. Okay? So... Right. You know, his whole thing with, okay, he said that the Sasquatch were eating from the bowls every time. He said on a number of occasions in his blogs and such that deer do not eat donuts. 
There's no way deer ate the the bulls, right? But he forbode the use of trail cams or anything else up there. So we set up a trail cam, and Adam told you guys, we got we got trail cam footage of a deer eating the bull. Didn't mm. knock it over. What? Didn't make a big mess. This is shocking. You know nothing. Now I think he's gotten Wild. he's gotten fingerprints off the bulls before. I'm not saying that Sasquatch never ate from the bulls. That would be just as foolish That's, as saying they did it every time. Right. You know. And the idea, yeah, that, that there's there's two statements there, and and they're not mutually exclusive. I mean that that wild animals eat food left in the woods, and Bigfoot would eat food left in the woods. Not mutually exclusive ideas. Right. Okay, yeah. and then now, now back to Stephen Stufer. He said that it was only a half a mile away, I think is what he said, from houses. That's totally wrong. It's a little further than that, yeah. It's, it's a little it's, further than that. It's like a couple that. miles, and we're talking right. steep, grade, really, really super thick forest. There's no reason Not in the world why you wouldn't assume Sasquatch could be there. Now, now throw that whole thing out Lot. about the, the house right down the street. Yeah. Okay. Now, we had a member of our party who saw a large, upright figure stand up and walk away through the night vision goggles. Now, this lays a couple things to rest. For one, there's no Bigfoot there. They it both was said Matt that. Well, they were both <laughs> wrong about that. <laughs> okay? Because... Uh, and I was standing right there with him. I didn't see nothing because I didn't have the, the goggles on. What we were doing is one of us would hold the other one's shoulder and walk them out with the goggles because these goggles stick out like a foot from your face, so your depth, depth perception is really hard. So we right. had somebody to guide the person with the goggles. Okay, at this time, Kirk and I were the only ones up, all right? I just went ahead and said who the member of my party was. Sorry, Kirk. <laughs> anyway... This is really, really super interesting, okay? Back to the feeling that you get when they're around. All right, I'm, everybody else is asleep. Adam was usually staying up all night too, but he was trying to catch a wink. Kirk and I were the only ones up. Kirk goes over just to check out the perimeter real quick, and he got hit with that wave, that, that fear thing. And all of a sudden, I see him crouch down, like down low. And then he stood back up, and he walked right back to camp. And he told me that he got that feeling, and then he crouched down, and it went away. And then when he stood up, it came back. So he said, come with me. Let's do a little experiment. And we walked back over there, and I'm, I'm you know, got my hand on his shoulder. He's guiding me out. I'm guiding him out. And we stopped just, just out of the perimeter. And, well, we stopped. We got hit. And we got hit with that feeling. You know, the hair standing up on the back of your neck, the, that feeling of fear is a super big part of it. Mm-hmm. And this is the feeling that I've learned to know when they're around. So I'm, I'm familiar with it. Kirk is also familiar with it. He's a great researcher, done a lot of time out in the woods, had his own experiences. So we're both feeling this thing. And he says, all right, now crouch down. And we both crouch down. And sure enough, the feeling subsided like really quick went right down I was like wow it totally went away and he said alright now stand up and we stood up and boom hit me again and this is like 
Now, now we're getting on to something here. This, I, I believe personally that it is a line of sight thing. That they have to actually have eyes on you for you to feel that. Once you get out of their sight, it'll go away. Now, that's just my personal feeling about what was going on. All right? Now, it was not more than 30 seconds or a minute later that Kirk says, just walk straight back, walk straight back, go back to camp. And that's when he saw this thing stand up and walk away really fast, back and away. And he said this thing was huge. Huge, like bigger than him. He guesstimated around nine foot, maybe something. But a big bipedal creature walked away. Boom, right there. So we're we're having this feeling, and it's it's substantiated by his sight in my eyes. All right. Wow. Now this this is where this place gets weird. All right. Um, this never happened to me ever. This place up there. Over the next day and a half, two days, I got hit with that same thing over and over and over again. Like every time I'd go to the, the perimeter of the camp or, or try to go over and go to the bathroom, anything, I kept getting hit. hit. And the same exact thing was happening to Kirk. And it, it had Kirk to the point where he was physically shaking from like the emotional stress of this, this happening, all right? And I mean, I'm a scientific as anybody, all right? I'm just telling you the God-forsaken truth. This is what happened to us, mm-hmm. all right? And this is what I'm always going to do. I'm just going to tell the truth, no matter where that leads, all right? Well, you are, thing, you are Dan Fake Truth Lintel. Yes, indeed. So you got you to go with the truth. Okay, so now I feel in my heart that what was happening was somewhat artificial, not the natural Sasquatch thing that I'm used to. It was like the same feeling, but it was like it was being put on us, like directed, like it was as if some force was trying to take us out of the game is the way I see it. And we both totally hung in there, and I myself, uh, you know, I'm not an emotional person at all. And I didn't even know that I was getting emotional until it was that next day. Just when I started telling the rest of the group about how I was feeling, I got really emotional and started crying because it was just such an emotional drain what was happening, okay? Now, this goes back to this place, Soha. You've been there, Gunner, right? Yep. It is nastiest, dirtiest, most evil-looking place I've ever been. The whole place has a terrible yeah. feel to it. Really, really a bad feeling when you go there and just look around the forest. I mean, it's just ugly. And with what happened to Adam, what happened to us, I think there's some kind of ongoing bad thing going on there. And I don't particularly think it's Sasquatch. I totally believe in Sasquatch. I know they exist. If I'm going to go out looking for Sasquatch, I'm going to go to my area. I'm not going to go to Soha. Because I don't like Soha. I don't like that place one bit. I hate the way it made me feel. I hate what it does to people. And, you know, Dr. Johnson wants to go there and just go to sleep and let these things get in his head. And if it's those mm-hmm. same little guys that were coming after Adam, you know, they're not, they're not just happy little guys. They're not, they're not going <laughs> to... 
They're not going to come over there and shake your hand and give you a kiss on the cheek. You know, I don't. Well, that's, yeah, both, both Adam and John Carlson described them as malevolent, that they did not have, they were not, did not have good intentions towards them. And so that, yeah. And I, I honestly, it's funny because my experience was entirely different when I went to SOA. I, I didn't feel any, anything weird or, um, and, and, we ha- it's interesting is because the first time I ever heard any, uh, how would we put it, uh, paranormal, like out of weird, weird stuff was during my trip to SOA, Matt claimed uh, upon one of his returns, he was going around the perimeter, you know, the and claiming, came back all emotional, claiming that he saw light beings out in the forest. And like I didn't see anything that indicated any light beings up, you know. And I'm, I think there's things that we don't understand. And I, I think that I, uh, maybe some people are are more sensitive to, and, and use the word para, the phrase paranormal phenomenon. But paranormal to me is just stuff we don't necessarily understand at this point. So you you may be more sensitive than I am to what you know, the energy of a particular place or whatever. But I, I didn't find anything, yeah, I didn't find anything malevolent. Um, the most, and I've said repeated on more than one occasion, that the the only really compelling thing to me was the food bowls, and we found some fingerprints, one of, an apple that was put in the food bowl, we found down the trail. I can't say, you know, especially being this long ago, that since the experience has been about, three, four years ago now. Um, I can't say it was certainly that Matt didn't move that apple down the trail. I don't, you know, I didn't dust it for prints. We found fingerprints on the bowls, on the food bowls, and some of the, the way the food was in the bowls looked, didn't look like small animals to me. You know, there was a peanut butter sandwich where the bread was bent back and it looked like fingers that had pulled peanut I don't know, but my my rub with Matt about that whole thing was that um, we found evidence. The evidence was never processed to eliminate all other possibility, and that he was trotting uh, my reputation and my my experience as having bedded his area. And um, you know, I said if you're going to do that you do have a obligation to vet the evidence that is collected during the time that I'm participating um, to, uh, to establish that it wasn't any known other known animal. And if you've got somebody, and not only that, expert, yeah, so you, go ahead. You got to have the, the full fledged support of those people that you're saying vetted your area. I mean, come right. on, you know, that's what he did yeah. to Adam. You know, he just came right. right out and told Adam's story. Adam has a reputation. You know, he has more to lose in his career than probably anybody in this entire community. You know? Well, and the thing with, and with Adam, the, the, the only reason there was sorry. any validity given to that report because of, was because of Adam's um, reputation. It w- certainly was not because, I mean, if it was just Matt Johnson telling this story, um, it it would have been you know blown off as as a lot of the other stuff that Matt has presented has been, but because it it involved Adam Davis Adam Davis, 
he has a reputation of not being a, a, a BS guy. So that's the only reason it really raised any uh, level of interest in the Bigfoot community because of Adam's involvement. John, John to a lesser, I mean, the, John is not really known. Joan Carlson is not really known in the Bigfoot community, but having, you know, Adam involved, it, I know that's why I had some like, what the heck? Because if it had been, you know, anybody else, it probably wouldn't, have, it would have been less. So, so some of the explanations for that encounter that Adam and John talked about were, were that it was a fabrication, a hoax per, perpetuated by, put on by Matt. What do you, what do you think about that possibility? We, we, as a group, while we were up there, and we went over and over and over that scenario, and it just seems super unplausible. For one thing, the, the creatures or whatever, they didn't repeat their motions over and over again like a hologram program would. They moved independently of each other and independently of their prior actions every time. That's the story I get, you know, and they and they rushed them the one time, which now also there there's really no place to put up <laughs> uh, any kind of projector or anything like that without it being found out and seen. And I mean, we've walked up and down that area. I mean, I'm sure they did. You know, it's just right outside of camp, and there's no power source at all. Somebody would have to run a generator, which we all know even the real quiet ones are not so quiet. I just I, I find it super unplausible that it was staged by some media students or something. And another thing is, right. you know, it's not like Matthew Johnson had, had a big Hollywood budget or anything like that to work with. And that kind of no, thing my, can get Matthew, really expensive, yeah. especially if it's really technical. Right. So something weird happened, best we can tell. I mean, and it does that. That itself does not seem like it's Bigfoot related. <clears throat> um, no, to me, to me Big, and I think Bigfoot a lot of the stuff up there, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, I think that there is some kind of something going on up there that I don't know what it is. I don't think it's Bigfoot. I think it has a lot to do with those creatures that he saw. I think it has to do with the, the lights that we saw. Like, mm-hmm. there's four of us. Two of us had the goggles on, and two of us didn't. And all four of us saw this orange flash of light. And even in the goggles that only show green and black, that well, there's some weird stuff the orange. With, there was some weird stuff with some of the pictures that were taken up there during the time you guys were up there. Yes, with those, those the eye. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's still up in the air, the representative from Verizon was contacted and the people that built the phone and you know to try to find out and nobody has an answer but those it was like super exposed on the outside of the eye it was like another pupil <laughs> perfectly round on the outside of Russ's eyes it's just really really strange you if you're at the IBC you saw the pictures in Adam's presentation and very very strange and uh, it, when he did it with the other guys, same camera, same lighting, everything. Nobody else's eyes did that. Just Russ's. That was. It was really weird. And then Russ also saw that it was like a sliver of light, and we were all standing there right behind him. He's the only one that had the goggles on. He saw a sliver of light down the road that we didn't see. 
about where Adam's thing happened down the road down there. He said mm-hmm. it opened up almost like a piece of paper looking at it flat and then it turning and then turning back. He said it looked like it opened up like a round circle in the middle and then went back to a sliver again. And he's watching this in the yeah, goggles. It's a really weird – I mean, it, it's a weird place, and there's um, – there's no explanation, really, no, no clear explanation for known activity, except if you're, I mean, we, I've had discussion, I had a discussion with, what's really strange is that Matt contacted me shortly after that happened and told me about it, and said, you know, this, remember when I, when this weird thing happened when you were up there, and I said, yeah, that's, you know, and, and we had a long, dis- or text discussion about, his, and his first thing is not demonic. You know, he kept chanting, it's not demonic, it's not demonic. And i like, but what if What if it is? What if it's something weird that, you know, that uh, how can you say that, that it's not this or it's not that or, you know. And uh, yeah. I, it's it's a weird, it, it, it's weird. And, and um, whatever it is, they're, they're trying to get you to we go don't, to sleep so they can get all up in your yeah. head, man. And that's one thing I won't yeah. do at Soha is go to sleep. <laughs> good to know and I, I slept there it was funny because I, I mean I didn't have really uh, and I didn't really have any weird experience there except being around Matt and, and Mike Beers and uh, yeah. I, I mean it was a fun time out and you know supposedly they were saying there was this uh, there was Bigfoots in the air I didn't see any uh, there were well, there were some kind point, of you know, dur- dur- dermal ridges on a bowl that never were processed, and to me that pissed me off because like, dude, if you're gonna tell me that, you know, you're gonna tell people that I was up there in Betty Yard, you 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 do owe me the courtesy of having that evidence processed, and and it was never done. So yeah, you know, and that's uh, Johnson's made a lot of claims, unsubstantiated claims. All right, mm-hmm. and a lot of people follow him like like he's Jim Jones, you know. <laughs> right. Um, right. You got to. People just need to think for themselves, and right. and think it through, you know. Take it with a grain of salt. Believe what you want to, but I can tell you from experience that Bigfoot does not always eat out of the bowl up there, and I can also tell uh, you that it didn't feel like a real happy place. It's not like um. They're, they're, well, I, I, I refuse to let him in my head to begin with. I don't want him in my head. I don't want him following me home. None of that. I'm not that guy. <laughs> but, Dan, um, are, I, I have a um, – so have you had, I don't know, say, intuition before going to SOA? I mean, you felt like you know when they're, they're in the area when you go into your research area. Yes. And yeah. the first yeah, time it happened – It's interesting – Go ahead. You, you go first. But, yeah, I, I have a history of this. It, it happened when I had my sighting that I told you about big time. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you about when I walked out there. When I was, like, right. in the seventh grade, riding on the back of a motorcycle, it happened. And that's the first time I ever experienced that feeling. And, again, my first thing was bear. I told my friend on the front that there must have been a bear watching us or something because I had that feeling. And the mm-hmm. funny thing about that is right, right where I had that feeling – some friends of mine growing up, their aunt lived right there. 
and she told them that they were a kind of people and that she would leave them food and that they would leave her like pretty rocks and and feathers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was way back. We're like, we thought that she must be the baddiest old bat, you know, up there talking <laughs> about these crazy people living in the forest and stuff, you know. But it's really a coincidence that I was not more than 100 yards from her property when I was in the seventh grade when I had that feeling. I mean, it was right there. <laughs> so, and then I've had that feeling several times through my life, and especially when I go out to my area. Now, this is really interesting. Whatever happened to me at Soha, I think that it has at least somewhat ruined it for me. Like uh, some kind of sense of overload. Huh. Yes. Now, I've found that I've still felt it a couple times when I was out there, but I didn't feel it. Right when all of a sudden we had a rock thrown, and then I caught another rock on video coming at us, and I didn't feel it at all. And it seems like it's that it's been that sense has been like deadened in in some way. It really feels mm. like that. I mean, it sounds strange. Maybe it's just because that area was so intense, and it's not been intense since. But I honestly think that um, I've somewhat lost that feeling a little bit because. Of the sensory overload you've lost, that I got up at Soha, you've lost that loving feeling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it's a it's an interesting place for sure. I mean, but um, it no, it doesn't sound like that a any answers really came out of have you guys' trip there. It just made it more mysterious or more, you know, it raises many questions that it did answers. Absolutely. You know, for me personally, especially because I expected to go there and find Sasquatch or, you know, evidence of, and I was kind of taken aback at what happened to me and how the the feeling there and just the, I don't, it's hard to explain, but it's not a good, happy place. It's like the difference between there and my area where I normally go is like day and night. My area is all happy and pretty, and that area is all ugly and sad. I mean, really. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's a bad spot. I don't want to go back. <laughs> so I'm going next weekend, Dana. Would you like to come with me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I have no desire really to go back to, to SOA. Um, it, it's, uh, first of all, it's a long ways away, and and there there could be Bigfoot there, but the all the the weirdness that that Adam and John experience and and you got and you come in with some other weird stuff doesn't I I don't get a good feeling about I I'm I'm a Bigfoot researcher and I like going looking for Bigfoot I I don't want to mess with anything that has that that borders on possible demonic or you know that kind of crap that's just not my thing. Yeah, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> but but I'd be happy to go out to you know Southern Oregon, the uh, Klamath Falls area. Oh, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> a couple weeks' notice, so I can give some notice at work, and I can always get off, man. So be awesome to have you guys, both of you, anytime. Anytime you're in Southern uh, Oregon, let me know. All yeah, right. Shane's moving up up to Washington, a ways out of the area, so it'd be a, a long drive for Shane. Well, you never know when you might take a family visit down the <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, that's a great. It's 
you live in a beautiful, beautiful area down there for sure. So, and there's tons and tons of, of forest down there in the Southern Cascades and you cross over and then you're in the, you know, the, the coast range that flows into California and Sierras and all that. So, um, Shane, do you have any questions for Mr. Dan? We're getting close to the end of our two hours. It's sped by for sure. Man, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dan, I'm just curious what you got going on um, in in your future. I mean, obviously you you got a research area. You're you're out there doing that. But what else you got going on? Uh, what's what's in uh, what's in the works for Big Fruit? Well, you know, we're gonna keep on doing the sit down with Ed Browns and the uh, Sasquatch encounters with Ed Brown. Uh, keep putting those out, and I'll keep on putting out the blog. Um, we got Scott Harper writing a blog now about the history of all the 50 states, and uh, right now he just did Connecticut. So we still got a long way to go. Your state's probably coming up, or we already got gotcha. you. <laughs> and then, uh, so you know, there's some so possibly where, where could go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it's just possibly I got some big stuff coming up later, but I don't want to uh, put my eggs before they're hatched but um it's possible i could do something pretty high profile next spring summer so where can people where can folks find um your podcast and the youtube channel let's give them the addresses if you just look up uh big truth on youtube you'll find it bam um you'll see a picture (laughs) of big hairy guy right there (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, and it really is that got, easy. I, that's I, that's how I found yeah. it on Facebook or on a, on YouTube. So go go yeah, subscribe to sit down with Ed Brown or, go oh, subscribe to throw, both. throw this in. Go ahead. You gotta go. Mm-hmm. You gotta see the Bob Gimlin interview with Ed Brown. It's the best Bob Gimlin it's interview. Great. It is I, absolutely I great. And Ed, that time and with does Bob did, and Ed. Does, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Bob, or Bob is a Bob is one a great interview, but Ed did do a very good job. He, he is just a natural um, interviewer. He does a great job. So be be sure to go and subscribe to sit down with Ed Brown and um, the Big Truth Channel on YouTube, as well as Sasquatch Encounters. So um, good stuff. I uh, I appreciate you joining us today. We've still got a few minutes left. Um, tell us a little bit about so now you've hooked up with these these other um, Bigfoot guys uh, Russ Accord and Ed and Kirk and Mr. Davis I think that covers the other four guys you're the fifth guy so tell us a little bit yeah. about uh, the five journeys and what you guys are are all about you know it's just it just started out we just did a camping weekend just some friends we all got together and, um, you know, it blossomed into the five journeys because um, Adam brought up that he'd like to go back to Soha, you know, and so we all kind of signed on, and the five journeys were born. I mean, it's it's a really great group of guys because we have real diverse group. You know, on the one end, you got Russell, who's got the hardcore, hardcore military background and um, pretty much the skeptic of the group, you know, and um, on the other end, you probably got me, um, you heard from just talking to me that I'm kind of open about what's happened, and it, it you know, kind of might put me on a little bit of the the 
crazy side of things, but I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> and then you got you got Adam Davis, which is he is a world class researcher. That guy, and he's got all the contacts. You know, I have no problem at all if it ever came to a, a really nice cast or uh, hair samples or fecal samples or anything. You know, we can we have the the contacts now through Adam to be able to get that taken care of by the very best people in the business, which is super big to have that. You know, Ed Brown is a really great attention to detail. He trained in forensic science, and um, he is just really, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he, he looks for the minute details, put it that way. He'll spend mm-hmm. his time and, and try to find a hair or, or whatever it takes. You know, and Perk Brown... Great, great guy. Also military experience. You know, besides me, he's got the most um, experience out in the field doing research, you know. He tells stories mm-hmm. about throwing tennis balls and having them thrown back. Now, that's cool. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I totally trust him. I, I can tell you from my own experiences and then bouncing stuff off of him, you can, count, you can take his word to the bank. Whatever he says. Absolutely, 100%. I will back that guy. We, we, you know, bounce stuff off each other. We've heard the same exact things. We've had the same exact things happen to us in the forest. And it was just, for both of us, it was just reassurance that the other guy is for real. You know what I mean? And, uh, but just what a great group of guys, you know? Yeah. It's a really, really, really a pleasure to be able to hang out with such a quality group and, you know, um, be able to work with them in the field and uh, have their different expertise come forward. Um, it's just it's a great learning experience. For me, I've always done it by myself, so it's a little bit different, especially with me always sharing my stuff. Now, when you get with a group of guys, it's not so easy to just say, I'm going to just put this out and show it. You know what I mean? It becomes a different thing when you have an entity, a group of guys. So in that way, it may be a little bit restrictive, but um, I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. For me, it's really great, great group of guys. Well, Dan, thank you. Uh, pardon me. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Oh, you're right. I uh, just wanted to thank Dan for uh, joining us this evening and, and being, you know, honest, truthful, and, and sharing. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to meeting up with you again and maybe get out in the woods sometime. And if nothing else, I'll probably see you at uh, some uh, some conference or perhaps Beachfoot or something of that nature. So, uh, But thank you so oh, much yeah, for uh, joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's been a true pleasure, and I really, really respect you guys, you know, and the Olympic Project. You know, there's only a, a small handful out of all the research groups in the world, there's only a small handful that actually have a chance of uh, – doing something groundbreaking and you guys are on board with definitely one of the premier groups and uh i applaud you for your your work um and i really really do appreciate you having me on and letting me tell my stories and tell people a little bit about big truth and uh you know like i said i hopefully i got some big stuff coming up in the future one way or another i'm not going nowhere i'm gonna keep getting out there when i can and uh we're gonna keep on getting them interviews so, uh, All right. Stay tuned. 
Well, we really appreciate you being with us, as, as Shane said, Dan, and, and uh, look forward to hearing more about your individual uh, experiences and research and your research with the the Five Journeys Research Group, which is, is a great group that you uh, are participating in. So um, for Shane Corson and myself, Gunnar Monson, um, next week we have uh, an interview coming up with Nathan, um, and Nathan's last name Shane, Nathan Nathaniel. York. Yeah, York. York. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, will be uh, joining us, and uh, until then, everybody get out there and have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy your families and your friends, and be safe in your travels. Uh, until next Sunday, Monster X Radio, we will uh, have a great week and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.